Just wondering how many of you are like wickedly uncomfortable with that amount of silence. I love to do that uh, now because I've become comfortable with silence. So, um, good morning. Glad you're all here. Glad you're all here. Uh, I got to tell you, I am, uh, I am getting a little, little stoked for the holiday season. I'm just like, I'm feeling like, I mean, I always enjoy the holiday season, but this year in particular, I'm just feeling like I need the holiday season, um, which, you know, because, because, but, you know, 2020, I mean, God knows. Uh, anybody ever seen the movie Reign of Fire? It takes place in 2020 when the dragons return. And given this year, I would not put money on it. So, But uh, we are in a little mini-series called Gripesgiving. And um, if, uh, if you hate it, uh, blame me. That was my brainchild because I just thought, you know what? We're coming into the end of the month. We're coming into the time of, of giving thanks. And, um, and then we, we move on right from there into the season of love and joy and peace and hope and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And, you know, maybe it would be good to just get a little bit of the griping out of the way. A, a, an airing of grievances, if you will, because... God knows if there was ever a time when we have grievances that need to be aired, 2020, baby. Um, I mean, admit it. Think back. Think back like 10 months ago. Imagine, imagine New Year's Eve 2019, December 31st, 2019, 8.30 at night. You're getting ready to welcome in the new year, 2020. Woohoo! And imagine if somebody you knew started describing what 2020 was going to be. Uh, we need to pour him into a cab. He got to go. You would never believe a description of uh, 10 months ago. And so if there was ever a year when we have grievances and griping, and, and the point is to not just, not just put this out there, but to get it out of ourselves, to cleanse ourselves a little bit, to make some room for, for all the good stuff that's coming. So this morning, and props to Tracy, I mean, last week, straight out of the gate, let's talk about the grievance of complaining about the way God provides for us. I mean, I would have, like, eased into it for a little bit, but he's like, bam, let's go with the big one. This morning, I just want to talk about time. Because if ever there's a grievance... In this day and age, it's, I just don't have enough time. Anybody ever feel like that? There is simply not enough time. You look at what you have to do, you look at the amount of time you have to do it, and they just don't come together. Um, but a hundred years ago, when I was in college, uh, I took to, to this saying, uh, and I don't think there was anything original about it, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And, you know, I was 19, I was 20 years old at the time. It was easy to be, you know, very, very cavalier about it. Uh, it's not till now 
30 years later, 49 years old, that I start to realize time's a little bit more precious than that. And, you know, maybe it's looking at the scales of my life and realizing that potentially, potentially, there's a little bit more time behind me than there is ahead of me. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I've told my, my kids have been calling me middle-aged for many years now, uh, and I've always insisted to them that since I intend to live until at least 100 years old, I do not technically hit middle age until age 50. So I am still on the downhill side of that. But 2020, so uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Because I was in college and, you know, I was going to college full time and I was working full time and I had a girlfriend full time and I was going to church, which what in that day seemed like full time. Because there was, you know, there was church on Sunday morning, there was church on Sunday night, and uh, it didn't go to church on Wednesday night, cause, but choir practice after church on Wednesday night, and then I was volunteering in youth group, which meant Sunday school on Sunday morning, and then one or two uh, nights a month, there would be a youth something after church on Sunday night, and then on Wednesday night, there was youth group in place of church, um, and then I think it was like obligatory that after church on Sunday morning, you had to go out to eat lunch with somebody. And so I stood, you know, looking back, I look at the, the scope of, of what I had for time, and it was just, there was no time. And God, God forbid the church be in revival. There goes Monday night and Tuesday night right there. On the upside, there was food, so... Go Baptists. Um, and and I, I think some of you, I think you know what I mean, because, you know, you can, you can very much look at the scope of even today, right? You've got what? You've got big demands in your life. You've got work. You've got to put your time in for work. You've got family, right? You've got friends. I mean, even good friends need a little bit of attention. So you've got friends. And then you've got, you know, those other maybe lesser important but still kind of time-consuming things. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a sport you play. Maybe it's a sport you spectate. Um, back in the, in the day, remember, we used to have a hockey team? And, like, people would lose their minds and their weekends and vast spanses of their life to, to hockey. And then there's, there's the other stuff. There's editorial note. Um, this bowl is filled with Rice Krispies. Not Rice Krispies, but the off-brand Walmart giant five-pound bag of Rice Krispies. Um, and this bowl has been filled with these Rice Krispies since the last time I did this demonstration, which may have been about six years ago. Um, and if you've ever wondered, can off-brand Rice Krispies go rancid? Oh, they can. So, uh, but then there's the other things in your life that you know, maybe are less important, but you still have to do them. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta put gas in the car. You gotta go to the grocery store. 
you got to go to the kids' school play. You got to, you know, get doctor's appointments. You got to mow the lawn. Um, and on and on and on. And there's all this other stuff that, I mean, if you think about it, it, it is, it's, it's not taking up your life. It is life. It's, it's all those little nitty-gritty, nitty-picky things that you have to do that consume your life. Um, rightly or wrongly attested, John Lennon is supposed to have said, life is what happens while you're making other plans. And so you got your bowl, and your bowl is full of the big stuff, and the bowl is full of the little stuff. And then somebody comes along, and we'll just say, for purposes of demonstration, me, and they want to get all up in your business and ask you questions like, how's your life with God? Are you investing in God's kingdom? Have you spent time recently in prayer? Are are you making a habit out of being in God's word? And so all of a sudden, just when like you thought there was equilibrium and you're like, okay, I've got everything balanced. I cannot possibly deal with one more thing. Here I come and I play the God card and I go, what about God? And you go, all right, you know, okay, all right, I'll try. And so you try to add God. And something just doesn't fit. And you realize, I can't, I can't take anymore. I can't do anymore. I can't add anymore. I don't have any more to give. I simply don't have the time. I mean, we're already a nation where I haven't you know, read the studies, but I guarantee you not one of us is getting the kind of sleep we should be getting. Even if we're putting in the time, it's not restful, it's not relaxing. We wake up in the morning just as tired, just as worn out, just as drawn out as we were when we went to sleep. We're all feeling stretched thin, and that was before 2020 came along. Because we're supposed to be living in this day. I got sold this bill of goods in like my teens, you know, sci-fi, y'all. We were going to have robots and we were going to have technology. And we were, by 2020, we should have all been living in this paradise where we have, you know, replicators to get us all the stuff we need. And we just sort of wander around beatifically smiling and greeting everyone. And we have all the time in the world. Because all that petty stuff like work and jobs and chores is being done by robots. I ain't got a robot. I don't even have one to clean my kitchen floor. And so we're strung out and we're like, okay, you know what? I can't, I can't take anymore. Something has got to go. And so when we're looking at our list of priorities and we're looking at the things, what has to stay, what has to go, in almost every occasion... God, just, there's no time. There's no time for God. Because, see, if, if I don't put God in the mix, I can make everything else fit. And logically speaking, from a human standpoint, it makes sense to remove God from the equation. And here's why. One, God is not demanding. 
God is never going to be in your life jumping up, screaming at you for attention like the little flashing indicator on your dashboard. Hopefully, it's just the you're low on gas indicator. God forbid it be one of those other lights. Uh, They can make horror movies about that. God is never going to be screaming for your attention like that next email in the inbox and the next email in the inbox. Or maybe you're in a work situation where you have a desk with an actual inbox that never seems to be empty. God is not going to scream at you for attention like the to-do list that no matter how much time you put into it each and every day, it seems like the list is always just a little bit longer than it was when you started God is never going to jump up and down and scream at you for attention like a tired, disappointed, upset five-year-old. And I know some of y'all out there know what I'm talking about. And because God is not demanding, it's easy to just sort of out of sight, out of mind. And the other reason that it's easy to kind of backburner God is because of the nature of who God is. God is loving. God is forgiving. God is merciful. God is understanding. So God understands when I don't have time for him. And so we push God to the side, and we come to some sort of agreement with all the other demands in our life. We come to something that looks like balance, And we go on being tired, being exhausted, being worn out, being constantly harried, laying down in bed to go to sleep because we know we need the sleep. But the second our head hits the pillow, our mind is just filled with all the stuff that's going to be there waiting for us the next day. All the stuff that somehow we feel we didn't get done that we should have in this day. And by putting God to the side... We have, effectively, even though we think this is the solution to our problem, we have effectively doomed ourselves. Because this is the act opposite of the solution to our problem. And God says so. God knew. God says this himself. I want to start there. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. The only way to resolve this issue is by bringing God into the mix. I mean, essentially, it says right there, all your time, all your energy, all your investment, all your work is utterly wasted if you're doing it without God in the mix. So as you're living your life and you're trying to get by and you're trying to trying to find some way and we have this way of deluding ourselves, thinking, okay, you know what? If I can just get to the end of 
of this time period, if I can just get to the end of the next two months, or I can just get to the end of, of this next busy period, or I can just get to the end of this project, or I can just whatever, things will be better. And yet we get there, and we get to the top of the hill, and we're ready for that downhill coast. We're ready for things to get easier. We're ready for things to get better. And we get to the top of the hill. And what do we see? Bigger hills. And it destroys us. And it leaves us wasted. And it leaves us in a place where it just feels like, is this, is this what life is? Is this all there is? And we're left in a place where we're trying to take this, this statement that Jesus comes to give us life and give it more abundantly. And we look and we ask, where is the abundance? Because all I got is an abundance of pain in my to-do list. See, God knows. God understands. God understands, and that's why God should be in and not out. God knew things were going to go this way. For some of y'all, I would invite you to join me in the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. Many of you, feel free to sing along if you know this one at home. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from bracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And a time for hippies to turn Bible verses into really cool hip songs. The birds, go home, look it up. And on top of that, not only did God realize, God getting crazy now, not only did God realize there is a time in your life, God knows the demands, God knows what you need to do, God knows what you have to do, God knows what you want to do, God knows every demand on your time, and he intended that there should be a time for each and everything in your life, and that you should do so in six days of the week, because the seventh day is reserved solely for resting and recovering and refreshing yourself and renewing your spirit in his presence. Six days. Good luck. And so how do we get, okay, fine, fine. God said this. God said there's time for me to do all the stuff I want to do. God said there's time for me to do all the stuff I need to do. And if I, if I bring God into the mix, if I add one more thing to my plate, how does that 
get me balanced? How does that get me where I need to be? Stick with me. I shall tell you. I'm, I'm seriously. It's. I mean. Here's what God said. Matthew, chapter six, verse thirty-three, from the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I'm relatively certain the ESV probably doesn't use unto, but that verse needs the unto, so it gets the unto. Seek God first. And in addition to seeking God, seek his righteousness. Meaning that... I'm looking around. I'm Easter egg hunting for God's righteousness. I am seeking to make God's righteousness, God's righteousness, my righteousness. Uh, if you've been with us any amount of time, you've seen the chisel video. As God is chiseling on Tommy, the original masterpiece of God, God's chiseling, God's shaping is shaping our righteousness to look like his righteousness. So, if you seek God first, you put God first in the game, and you seek to become like him, to make your righteousness like his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. Everything else, everything else, you will be blessed abundantly, far beyond what you can envision blessing might look like. Now, Disclaimer, be with me here on this point. This verse comes at the end of a passage which relates to money and material goods. If you seek God and his kingdom, if you seek to take on his righteousness in place of your own, God will bless you abundantly far beyond anything you can imagine, but that does not mean that blessing will be financial. That does not mean I'm going to write the $100 check to church and I'm going to expect a $1,000 check to show up from somewhere else in spite of what you may have heard. Just because the blessing you receive doesn't look like the blessing you wanted, doesn't mean you haven't been blessed. But I will say this. I will put this caveat on it. I do believe that when it comes to the issue of time, if you will put God first when it comes to time, God will bless you with more time. And you're like, I don't even know how that works. If only there was someone who could stick with me. Watch this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added unto you. Unto you. Put God first. Okay, God's in there. I'm committing. I'm bringing God into my life. I'm going to make space in my, God, in my life for God. I don't know how it's going to work. 
but I'm going to do it. Cool. Now we got the other big things. Editorial note, if you're not doing it this way, I would recommend it. I believe this is wise. I believe this is godly. And I believe it reduces the amount of horror in your life. God first. Family. Second. If you are putting something else in front of your family that is not God, you're doing it way wrong. So God's first. We put in family. Woohoo! We put in friends. We put in work. We put in whatever those other big consumers. Maybe you're going to school. Maybe you play a sport. Maybe you play a spectator. You know, whatever your thing is. And then, all the other stuff. Shovel the driveway. Y'all need to go home and shovel your driveways. Trust me, I just looked outside. Doctor's appointments. Kids. Whatever else. Binging an entire season of Tiger King. Yeah, I'm the only one. And everything else, and everything else, and all that other stuff that isn't taking up life, but it is life. It doesn't work because it's the wrong lid. And all of a sudden we find, what do you know? Everything fits. And you're like, okay, cool, nice little kindergarten visual demonstration. Just because it's a kindergarten visual demonstration does not mean there's not wisdom in this. And let me tell you how this works. Because you're wondering, you're like, okay, all right, if I take this premise right here, as I've demonstrated as true, how does that work? Well, here's how it works. When you put God first, when you make God a priority in your life, which means investing in time spent with God. See, see, this all works. We can have a presence of God in our life without the big ball. If God was only about knowing the right information or agreeing to the right statements or believing the right things, but that would make... God's interaction with us based on ritual and religion. God from the outset has sought relationship. And you cannot have relationship without an investment of time. You cannot have a relationship without communication that goes two ways. I mean, honestly, I want you to think right now. Imagine a person you love more than anything in the world, a spouse, a child, a whoever. Now imagine going and saying to them, I love you dearly, but I just simply do not have time for you. <laughs> Let me know how that one goes. <laughs> Hashtag black eye. You have to put the time in to the relationship with God, and that means, one, there has to be prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is a way to make yourself known to God. And yeah, I know God knows everything, so why do I need to tell him God knows it? Blah, 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 blah. If you've ever had small children, 
you know, in like 99 out of 100 cases, when a child comes to you and wants to tell you something, it's something you already know. But that does not reduce the joy and the pleasure of letting them tell you themselves. And I believe it is 100% true that God feels the same way. And in addition to prayer, there must be time spent in the Bible. Because the Bible, in addition to prayer, is how God speaks back to us. How God makes himself known to us. And it's when we invest that time and we start to engage in that communication and that back and forth that we start to understand how God thinks because God starts to change the way we think. And when God starts to change the way we think, he can help us to start to see our priorities a little more clearly. He can help us to start to see that, you know what, I'm spending all this extra time at work and and I say I'm doing it for my family, but maybe what my family needs is my time there, not my time here. No one ever laid on a bed in the hospital at the end of their days and said, I wish I'd spent a little more time at the office. God will help you get your priorities right. Maybe God on the work front, God will help you to see that, you know what, there's things you can do. There's things you are doing that maybe somebody else could do. It's called delegation. And it's called wise leadership. It's it's taking what I can do that somebody else can do and giving it to them so that I can then focus on those things that only I can do. And we've scratched off a couple of lines on our to-do list. Maybe God will help you to see there's things you're doing, there's things you're engaged in, things that are not bad, but things that just aren't beneficial. Um, and sometimes, sometimes these things, there are things we continue to carry on with long after they're beneficial, but we're hesitant to stop simply because we've already put in so much time. Uh, there used to be a time in my life where I'd be watching a movie and I'd be like, This is the worst movie ever made since the last movie I watched that was the worst movie ever made. But I'd watch it all the way to the end because I already put in the time. There would be books I'd be reading that were just killing me. I mean, I'm a reader. I enjoy being a reader. I'm a fairly quick reader. And quite honestly, if I'm reading something and it's taking me Weeks, weeks that extend into an expanse of more than months, that's a good sign I shouldn't be reading this book. Now in my uh, sub-middle age days, I've come to a point where I recognize the value of time and I'm just not willing to invest my time in something that, that I'm not enjoying I read a book. If I get, you know, 30 pages in and I'm not enjoying this book, 
boom, book's gone. I'll be watching a movie. I'll sit down. I, um, a lot of people have like, like to put on music in the background while they're working on stuff. I like to just let movies run. So there will be time. I'll put on a movie. I'll be working on something. I'll be like, nope, delete, put on another movie. I've had times where I've deleted nine movies in a row because I'm going, I just don't have time for this. What are you investing your time in that you continue to invest in time in because you've already invested so much time in? Maybe it's time to let it go. And maybe there's other things that you're doing. And again, not bad things, not sinful things, not, not terrible things, but things that as God starts to straighten out your thought processes, God may show you, you know, I, I designed you for a purpose. And I put you in this place, in this time, for, for a kind of specific mission. And this thing over here you're wasting your time on, it's, it's not bad, but it, it, it doesn't help you to advance on any front, so maybe you could just let it go. And as you start to straighten your priorities, as God starts to straighten out your thinking, you start to put things to the side, start to cast things off altogether. Or maybe you just come to a place where you're, you're investing in a more healthy balance of time. And suddenly you find, you know what, I'm, I'm not quite as stretched thin. I'm not quite as worn out. That, that to-do list doesn't seem so unconquerable every day. And all of a sudden you find your place where you're rested and you're renewed and you're relaxed and you're finding the abundance that Jesus came to bring. And you say, fine, okay, okay, good. Let's say, let's say agree on every premise, every statement you make, okay, 100% true, which it is 100% true because, you know, how do I do it? Where do I start? I have no time in my day, but you tell me, how do I get it done? I'm so glad you asked. One, you have time in your day. You're not using it as effectively as you could be, but you have time. For instance, and let's just get the ugly one out of the way. If things are as bad as I have laid out, and for some of you, I, there is no doubt they are. And you're not even getting the amount of sleep you need to be getting. Then honestly, giving up another 15 minutes on the front or the back end probably won't kill you. Find 15 minutes. And this is not, this is not an etched in stone, you know, you need to invest 15 minutes a day. This is just a for instance. Find 15 minutes right before you go to bed. Sit down. Pray. Read the Bible. You know, reading, the, reading before you go to bed is very good. It, reading makes sure. And anybody who's not a student of reading the Bible, you know, you're like, Ugh. Every time I try to read the Bible, it like puts me to sleep. Perfect! Two birds with one stone. 
15 minutes for you. You can even take the Bible to bed with you. You can lay there in bed. You can start to read the Bible. You can read the Bible till it puts you to sleep. Boom. How perfect is that? If not, wake up 15 minutes early. 15 minutes of prayer, Bible reading, right there. It's a place to start. Many of us, not, not me, but many of you, drive to work. If you drive 10 minutes to work and then 10 minutes home, that's 20 minutes out of your day that could be spent with God. There are apps you can get on your phone. Apps to, you know, daily audio Bible apps. Apps, daily devotional apps. And so on the way to work, you can pray. Or you can listen to the Bible. Or you can listen to devotional. And then on the way home, you can pray. Or listen to the Bible. Or listen to a devotional. There are numerous services out there through app, through email, that you can subscribe to, and every day they will text you, they will email you a set of scriptures that, if you stick to the plan, will enable you to read the entire Bible in the course of one year. And, you know, again, that can be a little lengthy, but, but even if you just do some of it, you can take part of your 10-minute break to read some Bible on the email. You can take part of your lunch to read some Bible on the email. I know we just, like, or no, we're, are we in football season or out of football season? In, okay. All right. Football fans, this one's just for you. At the beginning of the football game, Pause on the TV and read your Bible and pray. You can read your Bible, you can pray for an hour. Then you can hit play, you can fast forward through every commercial break in that hour, and there will still be five and a half hours of that football game left to watch. To a lesser degree, normal humans, if there's a TV show, and I'm assuming there's still people out there that watch like live TV, which is like weird to me, but you know, do you. At the beginning of a TV show, if you're watching it live, hit pause. It used to be in a TV show, hour long TV show, you get 42 minutes of TV. I think now you get significantly, you get maybe like, I don't know. There used to be like 18 minutes of commercial break. Now there's like 22 minutes of commercial break, something like that. But again, you can sit, you can hit pause, you can read the Bible, you can pray, and then you can fast forward through commercials and catch up. See, it's all about making the personal commitment. You say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't see how this is going to get done. But I am right now going to commit to you That I am going to make, and you have to make room in your life for God. You cannot find the time. 
You have to sit down with your calendar. You have to sit down with your to-do list. You have to sit down with your planner. And you have to schedule in just like it was a meeting, just like it was any other work-related task. You have to schedule in time with God every day. And then treat it like the most important appointment of the day. And in time, it's not so onerous. It's not so hard to keep that commitment In time, that time spent starts to change your frame of mind, starts to change your thought process. In time, that enables you to look at the rest of the investments you're making with the time in your life and starts to help you approach it from a more godly, wise point of view. And all of a sudden, you have all the time in the world because it helps you to start to realize that apart from the investment you make in God and people, at the end of your days, and all the time that comes after that, all the rest of it was really not as important as you think it is. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your words, and I pray, Father, that they will have found um, fertile soil, that they will have found who they were intended for, even if it was nobody uh, other than me. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would help us all to take these next few moments as we close in worship to consider what you've said, to consider if that applies to us, Father, and that you would help us to be wise and discerning, to put your words into practice, to realize the value, the importance, the necessity of investing our lives in you. And then, Father, I pray you would give us the strength and the boldness and the determination to put your words into practice for our sake and for yours. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.